So we move today to insight, dialogue, meditation practice. Meditation practice. A real continuing and deepening of what we've been doing together in our silent individual sitting. One of the easiest misunderstandings, and I've heard uh, even uh, very senior uh, meditation teachers kind of relentlessly repeat a misunderstanding about insight dialogue, is that it's a practice of wise speech. It's a misunderstanding, not because it's not wise speech, Uh, of course it is, But it's no more a practice of wise speech by itself than our individual sitting practice is a practice of wise sitting. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's it's true that we're inviting wise sitting. (laughs) And it's true that we're inviting wise speech. But that's not exactly the point. Insight dialogue is a meditation practice. And what we're doing in insight dialogue is simply, or maybe not so simply, opening the field of awareness into relationship. So we've been, you know, sitting with this field of awareness that's kind of in here, or maybe out there someplace. <laughs> But in Insight Dialogue, we open this field to include a we. It's no longer an I, but it's a we of awareness. Even as I just say that, I can feel in my body, that's pretty exciting, actually. Um, And this from the world's most major introvert. (laughs) But to open this field of awareness, wow. Amazing. And of course, when we open the field of awareness into relationship, we get even more deeply the insight, the clarity that I am not in control. Have you noticed that in relationship? (laughs) I am not in control. So if we, you know, we struggle internally, we have this delusion, this ignorance, what the Buddha calls ignorance. And he doesn't mean we're stupid. He just means, you know, we just don't get it. You know, we have this delusion that if I work hard enough, I can be in control internally. And then we also have this delusion, don't we, that if we work hard enough, we can be in control externally in our relationships. Well, if you would just... <laughs> you know, if you would just... But we get it very quickly that everything that happens internally is also happening externally. It's also happening out here in relationships. 
and that we can meditate with this as well. Now I'm getting a little exhausted, you know, it's like, oh, if we thought it was hard internally, you know, all this stuff that goes on to meditate with. So it's really this incredibly delicious, exciting, challenging practice of meditating, uh, both internally and allowing the awareness to extend externally. It's also um, a really uh, powerful way, you know, working with dependent origination in uh, inside dialogue is both rather absurdly ambitious. <laughs> what did we say? We could make this like three months, three years, something like that retreat. And so to try to touch into it in, in six days is kind of absurdly ambitious. But we can also begin to really see how dependent origination unfolds as we inquire into relationship. So I'd like to invite us as we do this to um, really let your, in, let your curiosity guide you because there's, it's, it's a, a very dense and um, possibly confusing inquiry that we're doing together in terms of both insight dialogue and dependent origination. So to let your your curiosity and your um, compassion for yourselves to guide you and that maybe there'll be one thing just one thing at the end of the six days that you go, well, that's really interesting. I'm going to see how that works in my life. You know, so you're not trying to like get it about, in, about dependent origination because none of us <coughs> will, really, probably. But maybe just to see what's interesting and it will be different for each of us. We're all coming from a different place and with, you know, different conditioning and so it'll be different for each of us and so if we talk to one another afterwards it may be as though we were on a different retreat you know so just really let your let your own curiosity guide you as you inquire into dependent origination in in this field of both individual and relational practice In, in our relational practice, we can see pretty quickly the whole process of dependent origination. You know, you have this little sheet here that um, um, we put together, you know, that are not all of the links, but kind of selected links that we want to inquire into about dependent origination. And it, it just kind of follow me with, with your experience of relationship. You know, where contact, we experience something through the eye, ear, nose, body, tongue, or mind. You know, we come into relationship, we experience something. Whatever we experience has a, and then feeling, whatever we experience has a corresponding feeling connected to it. Pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Have you ever noticed that? You come into relationship. 
pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Craving, what is pleasant we want more of. What is unpleasant we want to move away from. How does that work in relationship? Neutral feeling usually induces dullness or complacency or, or just disregard. You, know, you walk into a room of people. You, know, you don't know any of them. You know, toward, away, disregard. You watch it arising. And the first reaction to feeling this pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral is craving. I want this. I want to talk to that person. I don't want to go over there. That person really isn't very interesting. But, you know, craving. Craving. Clinging happens when we move towards taking physical or mental ownership of the exper- of the experience. This is something about me, or you, or that other person. Craving happens before we get what we want. Clinging is after we get what we want. The sign of clinging is aversion if what we have is taken away. Gregory used to have a practice where he would put us in partners and then about halfway through the contemplation we would switch partners. I remember one time I had a a huge tantrum when he did that. It's like, no, we were just in this place. It was so sweet. It was so wonderful. You know, don't make me stop. (laughs) A little bit of clinging. (laughs) (laughs) Becoming refers to specific patterns of behavior that we do to get what we want. My little tantrum. (laughs) What are the patterns of behavior that we do to kind of get the world to work out in the way that we want it to. And have we ever noticed this in relationship? Or am I alone? (laughs) 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 My husband agrees. (laughs) (laughs) Birth represents the birth of an identity, the the distinct feeling of self or the identification with a situation. This is about me. This is about you. This is personal. Suffering. Given a self that assumes a certain position, it follows this self will sooner or later have to separate from this position as all of life follows with death and decay. Suffering. Things don't work out um, the way we think they the way we want them to. And notice that in the mind, you know, internally when we're sitting, things aren't working out the way we want them to. And, you know, we can easily move into some place where it's somebody's fault. As in, you know, it's my fault. I'm not meditating. I'm not a good enough meditator. I'm not a good enough human being. 
And the same thing can happen uh, in relationship. This is unpleasant. This is difficult. This is challenging. It's somebody's fault. Usually yours, but (laughs) it's somebody's fault. It's somebody's fault. The whole process, this whole process of dependent origination, this whole process happens like that. Just like that. I think it was Ajahn Chah, Ajahn Chah mm-hmm. who, who talked about it, you know, falling out of a tree. And, and he said, he said, he said, you know, I'm up in this tree, and then, bam, I'm on the ground. <laughs> How did that happen? Falling out of a tree. So to just, you know, as we meditate with it, we invite ourselves to kind of slow it down and maybe to begin to grasp, uh, um, it's probably not a good word to use, <laughs> to, um, <laughs> to, but to, to identify a piece where, we, you know, we say, oh, this is a little workable, this is workable. I can inquire here. I can practice here. I can I can see what's going on for me here. How does this work? An example I you know I think of is you know imagine that you're at a dinner party. You know, and there are several people around the table, and the person across the table, you know, just having conversation, says something like, you know, look, watch your mind actually as I as I do this. You're at a dinner party and I'm the person across the table and, and, and you know, just watch your own mind as, this, as I say this. Ordinary conversation. Um, something like, um, my husband and I traveled to Barcelona last summer. It was really hot. But it was really beautiful. Um, the land was really beautiful, and we had amazing food. One day we were walking in the market, and there was this old woman who had the cutest little dog. Trip. You know how that, and it goes, the little mental file folder goes, trip. What do I know about trips? Okay. (laughs) Barcelona. Barcelona. I was in Barcelona. Actually, I wasn't in Barcelona, but I meant to go to Barcelona. You know. know, um, Husband. She has a husband. I don't have a husband. (laughs) Hot. 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 You want to know hot? <laughs> you know how that works at the dinner party? You know, and then, you know, it's like we're ping-ponging. Cute little dog. And we're just ping-ponging from one fabrication to another. Huh? Uh, that's just how it goes. Just like that. So this will happen in our contemplations. It's how the mind works. Another whole talk is why the mind does that. 
but it has perfectly good reasons for doing it. Helps us to kind of organize all this information. But it obviously presents us with some problems as well. Not the least of which is that we're at the dinner party and now we're fighting with one another over who's going to talk about our summer trip. <laughs> Do you ever, you know, you know that experience? You know, where the conversation kind of devolves into, or who's got the cutest dog, or, you know, hot? Who has the hottest weather? Or, you know, whatever. And so it's like that's how wars start, isn't it? You know, really, really. And we're just at a dinner party, having a little innocent conversation. And we're in a subtle form of war. Suffering. Dukkha. So, we will have moments, even in inside dialogue practice, where we find ourselves in that kind of a in that kind of a place. It's not your fault. Really. Really. It's, it's, it's how the mind works. Now, it's not that we're victims of how the mind works. That's our whole practice, isn't it? So the invitation is, to, to kind of see it and to cultivate some skill at working with it in a way that's wholesome. And that could possibly lead to the end of suffering. Amma talked about, you know, the suffering that leads to the end of suffering and the suffering that just creates more suffering. So that's our practice. And even as I outline it, you know, we kind of go, wow, that's kind of a tall order, isn't it? For six days. Yeah. So again, one little piece. One little piece. Be really gentle, really kind. One little piece. Um, also, we'll remind you that as this all unfolds, um, if there is something that's especially challenging, even in the middle, right in the middle of the practice, raise your hand. We're here. We've we've done the same thing. 400 times already <laughs> personally you know gotten confused in exactly that way so you know maybe we have just a little bit of insight or a little bit of support that we can offer Bhikkhu Bodhi talks about offering sturdy supports for our practice you know, we'll try to be as sturdy as we know how to be so just know that there's always, um, I have a little sign on my computer, I got it out of a technical uh, manual, help is available. <laughs> oh, that's so reassuring. <laughs> help is available. Help is available. So, <coughs> so patience and kindness. It takes a while for all of this to unwind. You know, 
Amma spoke so many times yesterday about patience and kindness. Patience with ourselves, kindness with ourselves, patience with one another, kindness with one another. Some of you have heard me say before, uh, one issue with my husband that I worked with, um, and I'm pretty good at this stuff. I'm a clinical psychologist for 35 years and practicing meditation for almost that long. One issue I worked with my husband for 10 years before I was finally able to kind of unwind it and release it in such a way that it, that it didn't keep arising. And part of releasing it was beginning to see what's more skillful and being, being able to actually do it before that happened. Ten years it took me. Ajahn Amaro, um, in one of his books, speaks of, a, of, of an issue with anxiety that he had that took him three years to work with. So I say that not to be discouraging, but rather the opposite, to be encouraging. Patience, diligence, kindness. One little piece. Inquire. I want to take a moment, if I have, to include um, a couple of just really brief comments about some of the questions that we've had um, that seemed like they sort of folded in here a little bit. Um, really great, great questions. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, the first one is, where is here? found myself just as I sat with it just really delighted by that question and so I invite invite you to be delighted by it and just curious we talk about patience kindness curiosity where is here anyway you know we could kind of give kind of a technical answer to that here is now I don't know something but I would just offer the guidance of don't make it a philosophical question don't become sarp you know about it or some kind of existential question there were certain questions that the Buddha said are just not worth our energy you know they're just not worth our time so don't make it a philosophical question make it a very like right now This body, this mind, where is here? Just look and see. Play with it. Be curious. Here is now. Where is that? Allow yourself to be curious. The second question had to do with someone who is experiencing a lot of pain. Working with it beautifully. Must bow to how you're working with it. Working with seeing it, working with releasing identification. This is pain. It's not my pain. It's pain. 
And again, inviting kindness, patience. Um, when, there, when we're in the midst of such excruciating pain, it can be somewhat small comfort to say that you know we're practicing for dying, um, but we are. Sickness is hard. Aging is hard. I looked, I was sitting outside yesterday and I looked down and looked at these wrinkly old hands. But whose hands are these? Aging is hard. Pain is hard. Dying is hard. So at least we have enough awareness to work with it, to be kind, to be patient, and to also really know when we're at our limit. Well, actually, even before we get to our limit, what helps? Just just what helps? What helps? Again, what are sturdy supports? And so we look and see what helps. One time I was in such pain, such excruciating pain on retreat, and I found that if I lay on my bed at night and just pushed the bed against the wall and just felt the wall against my back, it helped. So there isn't such a thing as a pushing your bed against the wall meditation, you know. Look and see what helps. And sometimes we need to just pause and take in some nourishment of some sort. Sometimes medication will help. Sometimes just leaving it, going for a walk, taking a nap, being kind. You know, that beautiful story about the Buddha, when he's just about at death, he's eating one grain of rice a day. He says, you know, I can't go on with my body and my mind in such disrepair. And he receives this bowl of milk rice from Sujata. (sighs) You know, some nourishment. So what helps? And it's hard. <clears throat> and as we both read this message, this le- this note, you know, maybe what helps both of us is like there's just such tenderness and such compassion for suffering. You know, I'm, I'm so sorry. You know, truly, my own heart, I'm so sorry. And maybe we can have that kind of tenderness for our own, for our own pain. You know, I'm I'm so sorry. It's hard. And the third question had to do with an issue that, um, you know, kind of, we all know this place. The, the issue of of where we, you know, this is my ten year practice 
where we sit with something and we, and we kind of work with it and it seems to kind of ease or resolve and then it kind of just pops back up. You know, just pops back up. And I remember a conversation I was having with my husband during that time and I was saying, look, I see what I'm, I see what I'm doing. I see this. Please know that I'm, I'm really I'm trying to be with it. I'm working with it. And not 11 seconds later... I was right in it, <laughs> accusing him of, I can't remember, whatever it was. You know, again. So sometimes these, these places are just really deeply conditioned. They're deeply conditioned, not in some spiritual sense, but in our, just our human psychology. We're hopeful, Amma and I are hopeful, that we'll have some time to kind of at least touch into that. We probably won't really have time to do it too much justice in the course of this retreat. Um, But we'll try to have, make some space to touch into working with these, you know, probably there's some psychology, there's some deep conditioning that that is holding that in place. And you think about holding something in place. When something just keeps staying the same, it would be sort of like if you went outside in your break period and um, you sat down and nothing changed. The air didn't change. The temperature didn't change. Your body didn't change. The thought in your mind didn't change. Wouldn't that be really odd? You know? we'd get so curious. It's like, what? How is that? What's happening? Because things are constantly changing. And so when we keep bouncing back into those kinds of patterns, which of course we all know, we know how to do that, the invitation is to be just really curious. What? What? What is this? And often it requires um, someone else's assistance because we're so caught in the, you know, all of this stuff. <laughs> we're, so, we're so caught in just the way it's organized in our own being that we, 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 can't, we, we can't let awareness be spacious enough to see anything new. And so that's where you know, some, somebody else's awareness can be really helpful. So just to, again, bow to the question and bow to the practice and invite kindness. You're not alone. You're not alone. We all have those places. It may be different. No, it is different for each of us. But we all have those places. So, you're not alone. So I'm going to take a couple minutes and um, offer some specific guidelines for practice. You've, you've gotten this paper and presumably you've at least glanced at it. We'll be working with the guidelines um, and t- this morning we'll work a bit with the guideline pause. And the guideline pause is really very similar in our dialogue practice to what it is in our sitting, regular sitting practice. Um, 
and this is where the the, the, the speaking is so different from our ordinary speaking because we're not speaking from our conceptual minds. We're looking directly, pausing into our experience, finding words for that experience, and speaking it. If, if we're speaking. The first, the first practice actually will be not involving speaking at all. But pausing, just pausing. What is my experience here now? Look to see. Sometimes the pause will take some time, but really it's not about going slow, it's about mindfulness. And we can also pause when we notice that we're not pausing. You know, that we've gotten caught, just like we do in our, when we're sitting in our, in our cushion. You know, we notice that we're actually not pausing. We're actually, you know, planning our trip to Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And so we pause, we pause, we come back. We see it kindly, we come back. There's also one of the guidelines here that is um, that we pause our, our, our partner or the group if something is keeping you from being present. This one's a little tricky, and we're going to try to work with this um, more clearly as the week unfolds. And the reason it's tricky is because if there's something going on with my partner or the group that's keeping me from being present, the tendency is to use the pause, at least in my experience, and I'm talking about my personal experience, the tendency is to use the pause as a way of saying, would you please stop doing that? (laughs) I can't be present unless you fill in the blank. It's not true. It's like, I can't be present unless this fly stops bothering me. It's not true. But it might be true that I'm beyond my capacity at this moment to be present, in which case the invitation to a pause is for my benefit. Can we just, can we pause for a minute? Can we pause? I'm beyond my capacity. But for the, for the moment, let's just play with pausing internally. Well, let's see. We'll see how it goes. I'm not sure how that one will go. Uh, but just to notice that we can, use, we can use anything as a weapon. And we can use pause as a weapon. Yeah. Last time I used it incorrectly myself, I was leading a, a, a group and um, something happened or someone was speaking in a way that made me, as the teacher, anxious. You know, I was afraid it was going to cause a problem for the group. So out of my anxiety, without being able to sit with my own anxiety, I moved in such a way that was aggressive, really, that was basically saying, in a nice teacherly way, would you please shut up? And the group called me on it, correctly so. Yeah. I was I was having trouble being with my own anxiety and looking to see 
what's skillful here? Here. Even before I move out to what's skillful for the group. Okay? So pause. So we pause. We pause when we need to. As a listener, we listen without, um, uh, not with non-judgmental observation that hears and notices but doesn't scrutinize, that acts without the intention to fix or do therapy. So again, we're not trying to, we're not trying to fix anything. Um, so we find ourselves giving advice. You know, it's we've just moved out of our own presence. That's all. Come back. We find ourselves doing therapy. Some of us are therapists. We're really good at that. Just come back. Non-judgmental observation can be challenging because it's the difference between discernment and judgment. We have a whole retreat on that. (laughs) Really? Really? Yeah. 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 What's discernment and what's judgment? Speaking from your own direct experience. Speaking from your own direct experience. Experience. And we'll guide you to that one. Taking care of yourself. Sharing as much or as little as you choose. Just because you're aware of something doesn't mean you have to speak it. You're in charge. Confidentiality. Sometimes people will share rather uh, personal or intimate issues. Um, So anything that gets shared in a dialogue belongs to the person who's speaking it forever. So if we come back into the group and we're inviting any observations, your observation is about your own experience, not about your partner's. And if you're outside of the group, you know, if you know one another after the retreat ends, um, you do not have permission to say, you know that thing you were talking about? You know, or here's a good example of that thing you were talking about. You do not have permission to say that. Okay? Unless that person brings that up again. So whatever you're saying, you are... It belongs to you. This it, any information belongs to the speaker. Um, respect for yourself and others. Generous showing up and leaning into uncertainty and vulnerability. Um, in terms of the showing up, so it's showing up in real presence in the practice. And you know, we'll invite you to show up to the group. Um, we know that some of you are really struggling with some really challenging medical issues to which we have tremendous tender compassion and care. So we invite you to come and we also invite you to take care of yourself if you need not to come. And the only invitation there would be to be aware that if you don't come, it will matter to us. I mean, it will matter only if... I mean, we have this lovely arrangement where we have even numbers. (laughs) You know, it will matter in that way. It will also matter. So just to know that, not as some kind of burden or pressure. But we are a we. 
and will be functioning as a we and if somebody moves out of that energetically, spiritually it matters so just know it and please take care of yourself we'll trust if you're not here that that's what you're doing and integrity commitment to safety, honesty and coherence for yourself your partner and the whole group so we're really a we we're really committed to taking care of our we as best we can knowing that we're all fragile we're all a little goofy we'll all mess up and so we bow to that and we come back are there any questions uh, specifically about the dialogue anything I've said about the dialogue practice is there anything I'm missing anything I'm leaving out Um, and uh, if not we'll We've been sitting a long time. We'll need to pause here. Any? any? Okay. Right. Um, let's take a, a ten-minute pause to take care of the body and to stretch a little bit and then um, to come back. And we'll start with our practice.